Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to Coaster Kings, Kings Radio. Radio. Uh, today's episode, we're going out west, back to California, Vegas, Nevada. One of our favorite regions. Our somewhat home region. Yeah. So, one of our homes. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, um, in late October, yeah, we, uh, yeah. we did a little lightning trip to the west coast. We mentioned it a little bit in the previous episode, mm-hmm. uh, the season opener for season mm-hmm. four. Uh, but yeah, what we did is we um, we flew into LA, took a car, drove to Vegas, met up with my dad, did some did some stuff, and drove back, did Magic Mountain, and then obviously flew back to Florida. So it was a it, it was a quick trip, but full of full of entertainment. So today we'll just kind of talk about that. Yeah, it was a great it was a great visit all around all of our Vegas stuff, all of the the time at Magic Mountain. It was just it was just hit the spot, especially. We'd had a couple weeks of like more stressful trips, of course, you know, first world problems, stressful trips to uh, Dollywood and to Silver Dollar City, so... Those were actually after, weren't they? Yeah, they were... Wait, weren't... I thought those were before. I think we did... It may have been... No, we did... I think we did LA before, and then we did those two, and then we did France. So it was like week after week <laughs> oh after God. week. God, don't ask me about my concept of time. I just knew they were all right in together, and I kind of thought like we did Dollywood, and then... Of course, I guess not. I... Maybe you're right. Maybe wait. Let me look because I've got wow. Maybe I'm right. Phone. Maybe like in the order of which we did it. No, we definitely did California and Vegas after Silver Dollar City. Oh my god, we totally (laughs) wow. In my head, it lived so much longer. No, because I remember thinking like going to when we got we took our flight. We took a you know our morning direct flight to L.A. from Orlando. Got our car. Oh, no, we, we went the night before. We went hella early. Yeah, so I got off work early, so we took a 3 p.m. flight from um, Delta from Orlando, Orlando to, to LA, which we got there around, like, a little bit before 6, so yeah. we got there with plenty of time. And we got our car, went and had a, gr- a great dinner, took pictures of Magic Mountain before going to Lazy Dog in Valencia, and it was already so more, like, felt so much relaxing compared um, to our, our Hershen Parks before Hershen visit. So yeah, okay. God, that's actually more recent than I thought. Yes. So we um, we spent the night in Valencia because we used to live there, um, stayed at the hotel we used to work at, um, hung out with some some people mm-hmm. I, I knew from there, and then the next morning we left relatively early um, and we drove through um, the Lancaster Palmdale area through it's to a Victorville, drive. and You've then never done it. I can't think of a drive that's more beautiful and pleasant than that L.A. Vegas drive. Everything along it. There's so many fascinating landmarks. And of course, Especially if you come from like a place like Valencia, you have a little bit more local highways you got to take to yeah. get to um, to the main road. To yeah, the main starting freeway. in Valencia or like North L.A. even, and working your way to Vegas is super pleasant. Once you're already out of like the DTLA area, like the general like L.A. proper, which that's lovely in its own right too. But as far as what makes the L.A. Vegas drive special, you want to start. In like the northernmost part of LA County, and then work your way over. Um, so what we usually do is um, we we get on the I think it's the 15. God, don't quote me on this. I don't know why I'm forgetting. But uh, <laughs> in Victorville, usually, and um, that's where or there's also a, a giant logistics airport in California's largest logistics airport, um, known for storing retired aircraft or aircraft that are. Um, going to be sold through to another party or yeah. aircraft in this case during the pandemic that, that are, are stored there temporarily. Uh, while you know flight numbers internationally are down so we had driven by this place in, like a lot and I had been to the Mojave uh, logistics airport where they have aircraft stored as well but this is one of the largest in the world if not the largest they have like over 500 aircraft there so um, we actually 
decided to make a pit stop there, see how close we could get, what we could see. We got really close. I had no idea we were actually, like, able to get that close. It was like, it was like being out on the tarmac, like, walking around. Yeah, we got incredibly close to um, an A380 from Without Contest. Trespassing. Yeah, no. <laughs> there's just a bunch of little office buildings, <laughs> and we're right on the tarmac. We parked in, like, public parking areas accessible to anyone. Yeah, or, and like, just on public like roads. Walking, yeah. like, walking, like, right underneath these amazing commercial aircraft, so. And we saw some A350s. Um, we saw pretty much any aircraft out there. Lots of retired MD-11s and DC-10s, so it was actually really enjoyable. We it was a fun stuff. stuff. from airlines from all over the world. Every, every continent with a major airline was represented. Virgin Australia, China Southern, all kinds of European and North American uh, airlines represented. As I mentioned in the last episode, a highlight for me was um, seeing all of the Delta 777s there um, being white-tailed and, and waiting well, for... Again, white-tailing is oh. something else. But yes, being having their logos painted over so yeah. they're no longer officially part yeah, of Delta. Being, being, yeah, I guess that's... Yeah. So there's white-tailing, which is like... Aircraft that were ordered and manufactured for a certain airline, then the deal fell through, so they're manufactured, but they don't have an airline to go to yet. So then they get painted white. So then, yeah, they're just white-tailed. And then there's obviously aircraft that are retired, which may be sold off or may be used for parts, but once the airline surrenders the aircraft, and they generally speaking, they paint over the logo. Yeah, they paint over Usually the logo. Usually it's partially, so you can still so see yeah, part of the logo. you can see logo, that it was clearly the Delta tail and stuff, but it, the paint was, was designed to obscure the logo. Um, and it was fascinating seeing those because we're driving by them and we're like, oh, we've flown on those, we've slept on those. One of those triple sevens we took to, you know, wherever it is that we went. And um, it, yeah, it was really fascinating. It's, it was new for me. It's not something I've ever really done before. But as someone who works with airplanes all the time, it was interesting seeing so many in that environment and being able to walk around and, and ride up close to them and see uh, some of them in various states of deconstruction. Um, or repair. I believe there was a a, a Southwest triple triple uh, like a classic a 737 that was like in pieces, and it was like yeah, it was literally just a fuselage. It was missing the uh, the wings and the tail. It was uh, it was funny. It was neat, kind of looking at the aircraft and in, in, in that way. And I think the coolest thing is just seeing the sheer the size of yeah. the of the operation and the sheer amount of aircraft parked. I mean, with the pandemic, there's easily over over like way more than five hundred. It is just an ocean of planes, and just when you thought you saw them all, you like look in their distance, and there's yeah. another ocean of other aircraft. As far as so the it's eye really can cool. see, aircraft. So yeah, that was really fun. Uh, that was a cool pit stop. We definitely spent like an hour and a half there. Mm -hmm. I think we uh, we were very enamored. It's kind of like the halfway point to Vegas anyway. So like we stopped, we pulled off the the road and went to Starbucks, and then looked at our aircraft, and and then kind of casually meandered our way back onto the highway by way of. Um, some local roads. Some of the other local roads. There's some beautiful rock formations, like very, like, like Bryce Canyon-y kind of like on a small scale type of rock formations, like the really pronounced and like worn and like rounded with like all these amazing shapes and stuff. Um, and then of course that that little dead neighborhood, the dead city that's There's a company town locked off. The old uh, yeah the the abandoned company town with the right like, next to the. Uh... All the airport idyllic little houses all lined up and and uh, and being reclaimed slowly by nature, just fascinating stuff, really. But yeah, so to continue our journey on, uh, we stopped at Eddie's World, which is like World. some some new gas station. <laughs> and God, what is what is the time? Okay, so here's the thing. So, so I feel like oh, I, that should be on. I have everything saved, and it usually geotags everything that I photograph in this these kinds of settings. 
let me just see here. So where do I say? Oh, here we are driving around Victorville. Um, but yeah, Eddie's Eddie World. It's in Yurimo, that's what it is. Yurimo, yeah. Yurimo. <laughs> Eddie World is sort of like a Bucky's kind of thing, like a like a giant colossal highway, like shopping and gasoline attraction. But like an independent one. But yeah, independent. Um, and those sorts of things aren't very common in California, so I feel like Eddie World... Well, it's like, they, they literally list themselves as, like, California's largest gas yeah. station. I mean, it's really not that large, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's nothing like, compared, it's nothing to, compared to, like, Bucky, a typical but... Bucky's, but it's it's really unique for California, because I feel like, like, moving to the South when I was a kid and seeing, like, the giant, like, truck stops and stuff, like, travel centers of America, that kind of stuff was, like, really unusual for me, because in, in California, I feel like gas stations are still, like, these tiny, like, four-pump operations with, like... Not even necessarily like a mini mart inside. They used to all just be like maybe a car wash or like a lube center and just gas, and that was it. But um, so we went in there. We stopped in both directions to get provisions. There was um, bathrooms, of course, a huge highlight. Though on the way back, um, they were flooded, so they were closed. Oh my god, it was. But I guess that we came at the right time because then, like ten minutes later, they they had fixed the plumbing issue. (laughs) Just your mouth, thanks. Mm -hmm. Um, So we made it to Vegas around noon. So we did pretty good leaving LA around like 8 a.m. Yeah. Um, On our way, of course, we stopped and paid respects to um, Prim, the Prim Resorts, Prim Nevada. We drove around a little drove bit. Drove around a little bit. Took a look at Desperado. Not only is Desperado closed, um, of course, they do test it regularly. And we have, thanks to Brendan, one of our newest associates, we have some great photos um, of the ride testing. But um, not only is the coaster closed to the public, but the entire resort. Uh, the entire Buffalo Bills Casino is closed. You can't even enter the parking lot right now. Um, the Prim Valley Hotel is open, uh, and there seems to be a, a decent amount of patronage there. Um, but the area itself is definitely looking pretty bleak. You don't even want to stop there for, like, for gas, because the gasoline is, is priced. Way it's overpriced. Priced. It's like $6 a gallon there. When you pull off, it's, it's a lot cheaper to wait until you make it to the... Um, to the, the, the outskirts of Vegas proper, um, if you're looking for gas. But it's still a fascinating little stop. You can get pretty solid views of the entire Desperado ride layout just from driving around on public roads and whatnot. So definitely always worth a, a stop for us, regardless of what uh, what kind of condition the ride might actually be in. And then, so like I said, we got to Vegas on noon. Um, we went to our hotel, we stayed at the uh, Marriott Grand Chateau, which is right next to Planet Hollywood, right by City Center. Great location. Great location, really it's literally like, a, it's like a two-minute walk two minute through the strip. Two-minute walk from, like, our favorite little Vegas microcosm, which is the Aria City Center. But, like, Cosmopolitan. Because, like, we, yeah, we went area. to Cosmopolitan quite a few times for, like, food and stuff, and it was great because it was literally, like, a three- to five-minute walk. Like, it really wasn't terrible, just kind of depending on how fast you move. Um, so it was great. So we uh, we got to our room. We got the penthouse like villa with top floor, top floor, two the bedrooms. Only one with, like it had like the vaulted like Parisian style um, windows. Yeah, that I thought were more just like an embellishment to enjoy from like the outside. But when you're in those rooms, it's actually kind of cool the way they're. We positioned. had a great view of the strip, so it was nice. Um, yeah, we could great see room. the cosmopolitan from our bed, like just looking at it. Like the window was shaped just right, where you could see the entire. Uh, the front tower, tower yeah, the, the boulevard tower, yeah. Um, a fun view to wake up to, for sure. Um, so then we uh, we dropped off our bags. We still had about an hour before my dad was going to land, because uh, he was flying in from, from San Francisco. So we hit the New York, New York coaster yeah. with the new Premier trains. Yep, we got some, some White Claws and 
made our merry way over to um, New York, New York to try out the new uh, the new trains. Now, and New York, New York, um, the new trains, obviously we'll get to that for a second, but I do want to mention, it's gotten even pricier, so uh, it's cheaper than during the weekdays and during the weekday, like, like during the day hours. Um, I would definitely say, like, if you're going to ride, might as well ride a second time and then bring down that average cost. Yeah, for sure. But uh, was it worth it? I would say so because we hadn't ridden in a while and we had tried riding it earlier this year and we went there for, like, two days, like, and individually flew out in yeah. between, too. So we literally flew in for two different two different times just yeah, to try. Yeah, I was working. You, and it was you down. had lunch with your dad in Silicon Valley in between, got some cheap, cheap Air flights. Air and flew back, and this, the next evening it still wasn't open. So... Um, that that was unfortunate. So it was it was glad that we got we got back. The new premier trains they run fine. Uh, the legroom is always the issue in the back, and the shin guards are always you know annoying to get in and out. But overall, I would say um, it it ran well. Yeah. It just runs a little. I would slow. say a general overall improvement. I think a vast majority of people who are familiar with the New York New York coaster will find the new trains to be a huge improvement. We were in the minority of people who uh, t didn't really take issue with the old trains. Um, I would say that the the new trains, for me personally, have swapped um, old problems for some different problems. Any any problems that you may have, any criticism you have of the uh, SeaWorld Parks Entertainment Skyrocket 2s with their trains, with the comfort collars, any, any, basically any criticisms you have of those are certainly present on this ride, but for, I think, the average rider, um, they would rather have these trains than the old Premier in the style of Togo, like Togo style premier trains that were unique to the ride. I will say that the the lights were a nice touch when you're like from a distance you can see the lights in front of the trains, kinda of seeing the taxi run around. Oh yeah, that run was around a the great track. choice. That was fun. Um, um but overall I will say if you've ridden it a couple times, go check it out. But I really like I don't think when I'm in like Vegas next time we'll spend the money for it. Yeah. Again. Considering we go to Vegas annually, it's not something that we feel like we need to do annually per se. Um but it's some, one of my favorite things about the ride is just its presence. So I feel like I can walk by there and, uh, you know, look at it, take pictures of it, and, and enjoy it um, from the ground, and then may, maybe ride it every every once in a while. Uh, especially, like you said, with those those new headlights that they've installed. That is a, a really popular trend with rolling stock on new coasters is, is uh, light fixtures on the trains. It's fun to see Manhattan Express or New York New York coaster or... Uh, big Apple coaster uh, jump on that bandwagon, especially since it is themed to a motor vehicle, like a streetcar, so having working headlights um, is great. I think the old trains looked cooler, just because they had such great embellishments with like... Well, they look a little more like, like taxis and not like, taxi. like sleeker trains. Yeah, the, the new ones, I think, do a great job with like giving them the taxi aesthetic on the otherwise very low-profile uh, Skyrocket trains. Um... But I think my, as far as the way they look, the old ones are still my favorite, the, like the kind of vintage style ones. The original Togo ones had like a modern taxi look to them, and in the 90s, modern taxis didn't really look that great, so those, I don't, I don't really miss the Togo trains that much. But now, I, I, all in all, I also feel like with the increased capacity, that's really a strong move with the trains. So well, yeah, they do add two seats per, per train, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. So uh, overall, we have had a good time, mm -hmm. but we obviously did, did a lot more. So one of the highlights for us also was we did Meow Wolf Omega Mart at Area, at 15. Area 15, which is just across the freeway um, from, like from kind of like area. Circus Circus yeah. Chat area. Um, area 15 is a great like mixed-use 
It's an entertainment venue. space that has a bunch of different exhibits and experiences in there. So another one is the um, Van Gogh experience. Yeah. Uh, which is Van really Gogh cool. For all of our Americans. For your mispronouncing speaking. Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Van Gogh. Van Gogh is Dutch. For those of you who don't know. Van Gogh is his name. And we, yeah, American English does not pronounce Van Gogh's name correctly. It's Van Gogh. Van Gogh, yes. Van Gogh. Anyway, <laughs> not even. Okay, so, um, it's really cool. They also have like a whiskey bar there. There's, there's several restaurants, cool there's stores, there's shops. There's, it's very much like, you know, a high art, modern experience. You do have to have reservations. You can't just go into Area 51. You have like 15. A, 15, yeah. sorry. If you're standing yeah. outside, you don't have a reservation. Yeah. Uh, you need to buy your tickets online. They have to wait in the standby line. You have to have a reservation for one but if of you the have, attractions. Exactly. If you have like a ticket to Meow Wolf on um, Omega Mart, then that includes admission to Area 15. And if you have a reservation, you will be let in. You don't have to stand by, you yeah. know, for capacity reasons. So yeah. you just kind of bypass that and you walk straight inside and then you go to Omega Mart, which is located on the left hand side once you mm -hmm. come inside. And you will. Just scan your tickets and enjoy the experience. Omega Mart is definitely like the, the anchor seat experience in Area 15, but there's a lot going on there. You could kill a whole day once you're inside of Area 15. I love that it's completely indoor. Yeah. So if you're... If, it's if nice Vegas, because Vegas, you're so used to the blaring sun. But yeah. It's a great thing to do during the day because it's controlled environment inside and it's completely dark. So there's lots of light. It's very, again, very artsy, very experimental. Um, so what they do is they give you a little card when you come in. It's your employee card. Yeah, so like your employee a couple spoilers here and there. Not Omega too Mart many. is really kind of it's such a high concept, unusual thing. It really defies a categorization. Mad Wolf is a an art and architecture and design troupe based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The original Meow Wolf is in Santa Fe, and now there's Omega Mart here in uh, Las Vegas, and there's also Divergent Station. Uh, in Denver. Denver, Colorado, right in the uh, Ewich Gardens Aquarium area of Denver, which so that's that's on our bucket list now because we're so happy with Omega Mart. But it's it is an interactive like it reminds me of like a kids science museum kind of thing, but like for grown-ups. Yeah, with like an art approach. So um, the and theme overarching story. obviously the, the the storefront theme is that you are at a like really strange one-off supermarket where like everything like you would see a typical supermarket is twisted into like either a nightmarish way or a really fantasy way and and it's all highly unique and like all the labels are 100% custom designed so there's lots to look at almost like just a really fun a pop art kind of situation I just uh, but then you are also meant to be the employee yeah so you get a little employee card and this employee card unlocks things on the grocery side of things mm -hmm. but behind the whole grocery store there is actually all like a hidden fault and there's a lots to experience, and there's lots to unlock, and there's a whole story about like this almost like upside down like Stranger Things situation back there. Um, and then there's slides, and there is little mini exhibits, and then there's computers that unlock information. There's the offices, like the brain of the operation for Omega Mart, and everything is yours to and explore. And everything connects in a story that you can literally spend a whole day there because we spent like three hours in there, and we didn't unlock like and we, didn't, we didn't yeah. unlock like one out of we, five yeah, stories. We, like, yeah, it's we crazy. spent hours there, just like captivated by the aesthetic, and didn't even. Like, we, we scratched the surface on, like, what there is to do there. I look forward to going and back. And the price was reasonable. I think you paid, like, 45 bucks a person. Yeah, I thought so. Bad. For what it was, it's one of those, again, I feel like marketing-wise for them, it's so hard for them to sell the experience to without people giving it without, without over-explaining what it does. But you just have to trust it. You go go in there and and 
and it's and drop the dollars like it's well like in this sense that like the experience speaks for itself and like in a modern social media age an experience like yes. this works a lot better because people yeah. go based on reviews not based on pictures not based on brochures yeah so I think everyone hypes about it. It's like, wow, this is so yeah. crazy. And such a, the people will just go. That's what yeah, we went. Yeah, for as hard as it we, is I did to not know what was behind it. the story. Yeah, we, you know? For something that was so hard to explain, I was like, well, I'm curious. And I know that people are crazy about it. Queen Park Review went as a media. And based on their experience, I was like, uh, yeah, I would like to try this out. And um, it was marvelous. I just love um, the way that everything, like the, 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 the storefront part of it, which is your liaison to the underbelly of of Omega Mart um, is, you know, everything seems normal on the surface. Like, if you glance at it, it's meant to seem like something. But the more you look at it, the more uh, bizarre it is. In fact, it's almost, there's ways in which that it's, like, deliberately, not just mentally captivating, but, like, stomach-turning. There is, like, uh, a, like, um, I don't know what to call it, but there's, there's just, like, there's almost, like, a gross-out factor, but it's, like, it's thrilling. It reminds me of like a good episode. Well, just in like a few areas. It not reminds me of like a good episode of Ren and Stimpy, but <laughs> but come to life. I don't know. And oh, and it's highly creative how they come up with it. I'm really impressed. And the amount of detail. There's just detail absolutely gorgeous. everywhere. And there's so many different aesthetics and themes, and yet it really works. It gets all really tied together. Um, I think a lot by like the use of light. But yeah, and everything is interactive. There's nothing. It's nothing that you really just stare at. Like everything you can touch and do things with. If you love just really cool theme parks, and if you're a fan of themed immersive areas inside of theme parks this is for you also if you're a fan of bars they have a bar inside they have a of a secret bar which we didn't realize we didn't so drink we're on our way because, out yeah we were kind of in the but yeah we're I, we already have a list of things that we do next time if i lived in vegas i would be like get me an annual pass for this thing like yeah it's funny i don't know if they have annual pass but they definitely they have um, florida they definitely have nevada residents they have nevada um, residents passes options, so yeah so. if you live in the vegas area and you're hesitant like don't hesitate to check this place out and if you're going to vegas and looking to do something new and trendy and very social media. And it's only that's perfect for doing a hot day. And, and, yeah, and something that's great to do middle of the day in Vegas. You're waiting for things to cool down on the strip. You're maybe you've you've already done the pool at your hotel or like whatever. This is such a such a cool, unique asset um, to Las Vegas that just couldn't be more fascinating and trendy. I mean, another cool thing to do during the day is the um, the Strat or yeah. Stratosphere as oh, it used to yeah. be called. Strat. Oh, uh, and during the day as well. The cool thing about that is uh, despite it's kind of awful location on the far end of the strip, but it's close to downtown, which is nice. Um, you can take uh, go to the Skypod for like about 20 bucks, like it's really not expensive, and then you can just purchase your rides either a la carte or do like all rides once or like unlimited. Um, but honestly, you do not need to have the rides to have a good time because um, despite the resort being a little dated, the lobby is fine, like the casino area is fine. Um, the tower itself, when you enter the elevators, it seems a little old. When you get upstairs, it's nicely refurbished. Um, the interior is really cool. There's a little like um, there's a full service restaurant. There's wedding venues, all that kind of stuff up there. But there's also like a quick service restaurant, a gift store, a, a bar, bar, of course. And then you can just enjoy the view. There's lots of interactive maps. Um, and the cool way that Strat is set up is that the windows are tilted forward. Yeah, they're so vaulted you, out. When you look, you literally look straight down. It's not no such thing as just looking at the window. It's flat and like you know um, vertical with you. It's it's leans forward, so you really get to get to look down directly, which is cool. Honestly, some of the best like observation tower views I've ever seen. We love we, observation We have done towers. some big observation towers We've around done the world. Some of the coolest in the world, and honestly, Vegas has a fabulous yeah, asset. I, I feel like I should have gone really to Strat well. earlier because we've been to Vegas so many times. Yeah. We never really venture over there. Yeah. 
I'm so glad I did. We'll definitely go back because the indoor part, we want to see it at night. Your ticket's valid all day. It's in yeah, and out. in and out privileges. So if you like go in the morning, you have like, you know, a snack and you just kind of enjoy the view during your day, you can come back a couple hours later and do the whole thing again at night, have a drink. Yeah, um, so we're definitely going to do that. It's worth going, yeah, go hit it for lunch and then come back after the sun sets and go twice. And um, it, yeah, it is funny. The location of it is funny because it is like the only like Vegas strip casino that's like technically legally in Las Vegas probably. And not in paradise. Not in paradise. Yeah. Um, but that side of the strip is having a resurgence. Um, we'll talk about it in a little bit, I guess. But we um, we went to uh, Resorts World, the new Resorts World Hotel, which is on that end of the strip. And For those who uh, don't know who Resorts World is, they are a big Asian resort company. Yeah, Genting. They have Genting, um, and it includes, if I'm not mistaken, Genting Sky Worlds, but it also yeah. includes so, Universal Singapore. It's actually owned and operated by Resorts World in Singapore. So They own a lot of there. hotels in uh, like Macau. Uh, they own lots of stuff. In it's a Malaysia-based company. They have a lot of properties in Malaysia, Indonesia. And it's very artsy, and but there's Singapore. definitely like a great um, Asian um, inspiration there. There's like an Asian street food food court. That's like the main food court. There's lots of Asian pop art and and, and, and pop culture spread throughout the the casino. The aesthetic of the buildings is, is nearly Japanese Chinese. Like yeah. it's very 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 nice. Uh, and then the, the hotels within that they operate are Hilton properties. I'm so impressed with just the overall aesthetic and like the modernness of it. In a market like Vegas, like you really have to push modern and you really have to push new and never seen before because in Vegas, like if, 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 you're, if you do something that's relevant when you start planning it, it'll be passe by the time your, your casino opens. And some other casino, will be providing an aesthetic that's even more modern and more futuristic and more fresh um, than your project. So I, I think, considering how long res the Resorts World project remained in like developmental purgatory... Well, I um, think it helps that they have such big names like Katy Perry, is it Luke Bryant, yeah, they've got Carrie some, Underwood, I think, Celine Dion, yeah, they're Celine all Dion on, so they got a pretty good, they got a pretty good marketing thing going on. Um, and then their partnership with the Hilton brands, various uh, Hilton, uh, Crockford's, and... Conrad. The Conrad, Conrad is their Conrad. own, right? Conrad is their yeah. own brand? Is I think, well, did they own Didn't Crockford's? we research that? Or was it Crockford or was their own brand? I think they own all three. I think Crockford's and, um, Crom oh, wait, sorry. No, I already no. forgot it. <laughs> Crockford's and... I believe Conrad is a Conrad. brand from Hilton. See, I don't work um, for that company. But so. yeah, so it's technically three hotels with three distinct hotel lobbies, three unique operations happening concurrently inside of the Resorts World Complex. They have a beautiful casino floor. Again, like, I, like Sean said, a fabulous um, food court that where you can enjoy uh, street food from all over the Asian uh, region. Yeah, so Crockford is part of Genting Group, and then Conrad and Hilton. Is it Genting or Genting? Genting, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I just want to know. I want to make sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Strad, real quick. Um, so we did the rides on top. We, we did the package that included the three main rides on Sandy, X-Scream, and Big Shot. Um, well, we have our favorites. We started <laughs> with Insanity, which is the... Um, God, how to describe that? So that's that? like a spinning, suspended carousel type thing, except you're, the seats face inward. But you... So when they sway out with centripetal force, you're, you're facing, facing down. You're facing down. So you face down... Horrible. About... How many feet is, is the strat? We're like 900 feet up. Um, very intense. Holy shit, that ride's very intense. 330 meters. Um, you, it, it is intense, it is dizzying, and it's very, very far up. It, it's definitely the sketchiest of them all. Like, well, not sketchy as in, like, it's not safe, it but this, feels like it feels the most intimidating. You're just sitting on, like, it's, it's very windseeker-y, like, for me. 
Except worse because it is also very so windy. Fire, None of the other ones and, are that windy. And you're definitely the seat that you're in is very. It's safe and it's sturdy, but it's very low profile. And you just look right over like the side and the ground is like you're and, and it's just nothing. Like it's yeah, it's very much like a fluoroscope situation, except for there's no trap below you yeah. and there's like you know you're just kind of yeah. the it's moment a, you look to the side you're staring. minimalist. You know, hundreds of thousands or thousands of feet configuration. down. Configuration that's it's really effective, but it's too scary. Yeah, <laughs> so that was my favorite insanity. Um, <laughs> then we rode extreme. Which is kind of like a, like a saw, like a seesaw like a kind seesaw of ride, where you would. Um, Not very far. I used to have a tiny one. Yeah, it's called the Great Skate. You would go, you know, up a little bit, and then, or you know, and it would drop, or you yeah. would just like go on a ramp straight down off the tower, and then it would it would just stop at the end of it and like swing you back up. When you sit in the front row, which we were like the only people riding it. Yeah, we got um, lucky. You get really far off the tracks. Like a yeah. track just disappears below, and you yeah. you know you hang a the couple wheel assemblies under feet over the people pretty far back on the vehicle. So when you're in the front car, you're like on the nose of the vehicle, and it it's completely suspended over the track when you're sitting in the front. So. You feel like you've completely overshot the ride itself when you're in the front because of how far you're positioned. But again, because you're sitting on like a vehicle, it was a little more comfortable for me. Honestly, <laughs> it really wasn't that scary. Um, it's it was fun, but insanity was definitely it was fun like and forceful. The lingering. The like, magnetic brakes on that thing are interesting, so you definitely get a lot of like strong G forces as you roll and, and catch yourself, and then roll and catch, and so on. And then um, we obviously did Big Shot, which is a couple floors up. It's located on the very top of the tower, almost serving like a little satellite, um, you know, antenna thing. Like radio tower. No. Alex loves the ride. Yeah. I thought it was whatever. It was rough for you. It was rough. It was honestly, it was really rough. Like I smacked my shoulders on it. It just ran like an old SNS. Shut and drop. It's a bit um, weathered. Being up there is, is probably it's very harsh like it's very yeah it's very like I'm standing in the middle of the desert and yeah. never ever has seen any shade. Um, honestly, I really wasn't a big fan. I got the cool view because luckily I got to yeah, have this they, trip view. They needed to balance the ride. I mean, there was nobody up there. There was a couple of people riding Insanity with us, but for X Scream and Big, big Shot, Shot. We were the only ones. And they, for balancing Big Shot, I sat on the downtown Vegas side, and Sean sat on the Strip side. And maybe that had something to do with it, because Sean, you said your side, your ride was kind of bumpy. It was very bumpy. And I've had rides on Sean, like when you were describing your ride, I knew exactly what you meant, because that was how I it felt. before, because I had it, oh god, which one was it? I think it was the one at Fiesta, Texas that rode like that. Yeah. But I rode it back in like 2016. Last time we were there, we didn't even ride Scream at Fiesta, Texas, because I remember like my yeah. first ride on it, kind of like Big Shot. Very radly, very like, it was just uncomfortable. I it was rode, rough. When I rode the Detonator at Worlds of Fun in 2009, Detonator was one of the very, that was the very first, like, du dual tower space shot type thing, and it just felt, like, when I wrote it, it felt older than it And while it's should. really cool that you're so high up there, um, not to flex, it still wasn't quite as impressive as being on the top of the Cannon Tower, because yeah. the Cannon Tower in Guangzhou has an Intamin drop right on top, which yeah. is by far the second tallest ride ever, yep. because the Cannon Tower used you know, we used to be for like many years to Yeah, Canton Tower is still the actually the fourth tallest freestanding structure in the whole world. In the world. And it's so incredibly tall that like on the antenna is a drop ride. And so you are so incredibly far above this Chinese city. It's a little more impressive and it was also I guess a little more like freeing. Because I mean, like still, when you're really up there you look down and you see the city it's, it's still the tallest outdoor observation deck in the world, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. They it still is. have one of their records that they... So, uh, well, you know, Big Shot, I like the view, but honestly, next time I'll go back, if I, if I would do the rides, because they were a little pricey, and I enjoyed them, but I didn't love them, 
Um, I did love Insanity, though, so I will pay for that. Sean will ride Insanity while I ride Dick Shot. Yeah, that sounds like, sounds <laughs> and like a And then plan. we'll reconvene. And for, have some for drinks. drinks. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we did that. We did obviously went to Cosmopolitan. We had wanted to do the chandelier bar for a while. Because we went to that morning. We went to Egg Slut for breakfast, and Egg Slut is egg, a egg restaurant. I believe it's is Korean. it Korean? Yeah, because yeah. they have a lot of locations in Seoul. There's, I believe, one in Singapore in the, Tokyo. the resorts world area. There's New York, Los Angeles. Uh, there's there isn't one in New York. They had a they had oh, there's a pop up store. One, that's right. But they don't have a permanent one. They're all uh, in California. Uh, and then the Vegas one. Reminds me of Paris Baguette, the yeah. Korean restaurant, <laughs> the Korean bakery. Totally. Um, so yeah, Excellent's it. It's an ultra-modern, small menu, um, egg-based restaurant. Their biggest seller is the Excellent, which is a um, whipped potato mash and, like um, a, poached and a poached inside, egg inside. And, and you like you are like, supposed to mix that. Yeah, and they give you um, fresh baked bread. To like dip it in. For dip. It was fabulous. That was really good. And then we had some uh, we had some sandwiches. I forgot the names of the ones we had. Um, but mine... They yeah, were, were all on brioche buns, I'm mistaken. Yeah. But that was really good. And it, you know it's one of those places. Like, there's a lot of options in Vegas when you eat. So when you stumble on something that has like a giant line... Like, you know, like there's a culture surrounding it. Like, you've, you've, you're, you're in for something special. So we showed up there for breakfast. And there was a line out the door around the corner... Um, for egg sluts, so uh, it was like definitely something we we're like, okay, like this is definitely there's a big hype here. Like, let's see how they do, and it was great. I would love to eat there again. Yeah, I was that too. And then of course, oh, so right next to egg slut is like the signature cosmopolitan experience, the three story uh, chandelier bar. So we had walked by the chandelier bar forever, and um, because you know we've been to Vegas so many times, and we never really like stopped there. It was always kind of one of those things where like, oh yeah, next time we'll do that because we wanted to do it, and we never actually did it. And so um, on the trip, we also had some phenomenal vegan food at Caesar's Palace. Oh, yes. Um, but this was another thing that we really I'm wanted look to up hit. The name of that restaurant. And so we spent the second evening we were there at the Chandelier Bar. So my dad, Alex, and I, we all went down um, to Cosmo from from our room. And uh, we just had a, a couple signature drinks, and we just started having shots, and it was just, it was honestly a really fun time. It was kind of catching up, because we hadn't seen our dad in, like, two years um, because of the pandemic, and we have moved, and it was just, you know, a lot going on. And so it was really good to just have, have an evening, and we went to the Chandelier Bar. The service was awesome. Drinks were awesome. We were a little underdressed because we were just, you know, being <laughs> tourists. And then, yeah. But there was, I guess, some sort of convention uh, going on, okay, and there were so many kitchen. people in their suits. Um, yeah, so the vegan place we went to over at the Shops at Caesar, yeah, or the, the Forum, Forum Shops, shops and was True Food Kitchen, which is a um, not vegan restaurant, actually. They also have serve, serve other organic foods, but they right. have a very big vegan focus. But yeah, if you search so there's lots for, of vegan options. on Yelp, if you search for vegan restaurants, True Food comes up because so many of the reviews, the way the algorithm works, it's like, well, so many reviews mention good vegan food that then it like gets... Gets like, pushed to the top. Yeah, yeah, it gets pushed to the top of the. And I believe, yeah, um, True Food is a is a chain. So it was a new experience for us in our on our Vegas visit. But um, there's there's locations across the country. So there's a possibility you may have a True Food vegan or well, I guess it's not vegan. I keep wanting to call it like True Food vegan kitchen, but it's just pure incidental. We just love that it has so many vegan options. There might be a True Food kitchen near you. Um, apparently, there's even one in Florida. There's a few in Florida. There's one in Tampa. We should go. Um, oh, it's opening in 2022. Okay. This is a growing <laughs> brand. It's very exciting. Little life researcher. But yeah, the, the Vegas one uh, had a great location, great aesthetic. It was very, very pleasant. A um, little pricey, but you know what? It's, it's one of those, like, you get what you pay for things. We also got cocktails and stuff. It was, like, 
just a really, really enjoyable um, experience. And then um, next, we, we went back to Valencia, and we... Wait, did you finish talking about Chandelier Bar already? Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't want to cut Hello. Like I cut you, well, um, I, didn't, I didn't want to cut you off. I wasn't sure if you had finished. Like, yes, no, no, Chandelier Bar. there's only so much you can say about yeah. like, a nice looking We got bar. some really great drinks there. That's like, what I said. Really, really great. And then we went to shots. Yeah. Okay. And, then we... <laughs> um, and so, obviously, we went back to Magic Bound, because we haven't been since the early 2020, because of the pandemic. We obviously, we especially once we moved um, late... Super late 2018, we went regularly, like every few months we were definitely at Magic Mountain, but we hadn't been since early 2020. Um, so it's good to be back. Um, the cool thing is that the new housing development behind the park that everyone's been dreading for years, it does give <laughs> really, really cool views. So we were able to kind of explore Magic Mountain from like all around. We got to see X2 and Viper from the backside. And even though I'd seen it before from like West Ranch High School, like whatever, you know, from, from higher up in the hills from when I lived there, this was the first time you can get that close on the backside without being, you know, there for some media thing. So that was really, really cool. Um, and you also pointed out, I hadn't really put two and two together, but really the the area that this whole complex, like the, that borders Magic Mountain, like up to the property line, is actually going to be a lot of mixed retail space. So, I think the fears, well, a lot of people have asked us, and probably others related to the Magic Mountain situation, is like, is the park going to have to adjust their hours once they, uh, you know, are they going to need to accommodate? Basically? I mean, it's going to be like a not spare farm situation, park yeah. is there first. I mean, they have been building homes close and close to the park for years, and there's, you know, Superman that you can hear through the entire valley. So, I just think the, re the retail space that, like, shares the closest border to Magic Mountain is really useful as a sound barrier. Between also, the homes are located dwellings. above the park, so yeah. like a lot of the sound just kind of like bounces off and yeah. will like shoot over the park. There's really, I mean, shoot over the houses. I don't think when we stood there and all the rats running, we were taking pictures. It really wasn't allowed. We we're standing like on the sidewalk that touches the park. Yeah. So, honestly, there are parts of Valencia where the rides seem louder <laughs> than they, you know, than it seemed from from the home. And yeah, if you hit one of those gas stations that's like below the elevation of the park, like as you're coming in on. Magic Mountain Parkway, like, you feels like you can hear everything. You can hear X2, like, shuffling along, <laughs> and Superman, Yeah, obviously. Riddler especially. Yeah, Riddler. Oh, yeah, Riddler. Riddler is the loud one. Um, so, yeah, um, one of the things that was really no noticeable to us, first of all, we were glad we got a bunch of night rides in, because it was Fright Fest. Even though it was a Thursday night, they were open to 11, so we definitely got a fair share of night rides in. Um, another thing that was really cool is that after just, like, almost two years, like a year and a half, um, you really start appreciating rides that maybe you had forgotten you appreciated. Uh, one of those rides was definitely Scream. I thought Scream was like running really well, and I was like, God, I kind of forgot. This this park says so many good things. The Scream is always the one ride that people forget about, or you know, it just doesn't live up to the hype to all the other record breakers because it's just another Florida coaster. But really, it's 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 just a solid attraction, and I always felt like if it's in a different park, it would do so much better. You know, <laughs> like okay. it, it could be the Medusa. I feel like everybody says that they're like, "Gosh, you know, if this if this ride was at Valley Fair, or you know, just insert random park here." It's true though, because at Magic Mountain, it gets overshadowed by like Mega Loopers, like Viper, Riddler. X I mean, there's the X2 Tetsu. There's yeah, this funny. massive really other coasters. Is, Viper, despite being so much older than Scream, really still is like 
the Mega Looper of the party. I guess it is because it's so tall and it's on the hill and it's still a little taller. Twisted Colossal was disappointing. Um, no raising. They weren't staffed enough, so it was just one of those things where like. Even if people tried, they just couldn't get the train yeah, out. It really to, sucked. Man, I used to really like Twisted Colossus. That was my first RMC. That used to be our favorite RMC. That, is, that was the first roller coaster we rode together. That is actually funny enough because it's not really RMC. It was almost exactly five years since we had met each other. It was. It was like one day after. Yeah. Yeah, it was literally one day we after, met after, after the five week year before Halloween. We met the week before Halloween at Magic Mountain in 2016, and here we are. At Magic Mountain. Like a day, like five years five and one years day later. later. Yeah. <laughs> a week before Halloween. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know what to say about Twisted Colossus anymore. Like, I used to be so into that ride. Because when you got a racing ride, it was, like, magical. But Magical? Magic. Wow. Magic, magic on the map. It was amazing. It was, like, it gave me, like, Dueling Dragons level flashbacks when it was actually dueling. And that's just not a reality that they have with that ride anymore. And, and they, I feel like the solution to that problem was just, like, to let it go and build West Coast Racers, which... We en I enjoyed our West Coast Racer rides immensely on this visit. Um, it's only the second time that we've ridden it, or the second visit that we've been and ridden it, and I think that ride is just so on point. And my only complaint is that I feel like the height requirement is too high. I feel like it, it, it gives me a 48-inch height requirement vibe, even though it's a 54-inch height requirement. Um, I feel like when I was a kid, when I was like 7 or 8 years old, and like, could only ride the 54-inch height requirement rides, I feel like, or 48-inch uh, height requirement rides, I feel like that would have been, like, a perfect, like, 48-incher type ride, but, you know, the, the manufacturing specifications are what they are. But anyways, like, that, our rides on, on West Coast Racers satisfied what Twisted Colossus was not able to satisfy for us, which was, like, great racing experience. Uh, I just love the figure eight over the go-kart track so much. That is an engineering marvel. Yeah, the figure eight really is um, super underrated. Okay, here's the thing. West Coast Racers and its infinite delays, the first year was meant to be open, um, led to it opening literally about... <laughs> like it literally opened pretty much, pretty much the week that like all travel from China was banned. So like the pandemic really started picking up yeah. steam and like within, within six weeks of it opening, parks were announcing their closures um, for the pandemic. And so it was one of those things where um, the ride came out and only a few media people got to ride it and then a few pass holders and a few regular off-season guests and boom, the parks were closed and Magic Mountain didn't reopen with rides literally for like over a year since then. So it was one of the situations where this ride just kind of got delayed, people still kind of forgot about it, it came out and just when the spark could hit again, pandemic just ruined all that. And so there's not a lot of talk about West Coast Racers, um, but I want to say that I think it is a perfect fit for the park, despite it looking, on paper, kind of like a launch Twisted Colossus. Uh, first of all, you have guaranteed racing, which is nice. Second of all, um, it is a smaller launched looper in a way that it feels very, like, laterally, it does a lot of movements. It just feels very snappy. I call it the new generation of cup car chase. Yeah. You know, like two racing vehicles in a, in a very twisty layout with a couple of inversions. Something about it very feels good. so retro in the way that it's not super inversion heavy, it's very lateral focused, it's very positive G-focused, but there's great moments of airtime. And it owns the area. The nice thing about this is they design, they designated an area to be like the streets of LA, kind of like street culture. Yeah. Um, even the bricks they use are like everyone's backyard. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> it was really, really clever. And it really has a presence because you cannot enter the area without passing underneath its really beefy double track 
thick tube superstructure because yeah. the ride really shares one superstructure for both tracks. So like, there's a like I would say the majority of the ride is shared supports. Like both yeah. tracks attached to one beam. Yeah. And that's really, really fascinating because the superstructure is really, really beefy. In fact, the figure eight we just mentioned suspends over the ride, over the parks, go karts, which I mean I've never seen a park put that much effort into, you know, protecting protecting a go kart. But it works so but it well. Works with, with the racing the, theme. If there was ever a time to keep your go karts, it would be this time with this go kart track in this area for this park because like, it's it's so strong. Yeah, and the underground is um, it has taco places. It's just like nice to have life, it's life just a fun back vibe. into the side of the park. People go over there now with a purpose, and, and it, isn't, it isn't the area you stroll into at the end of the day. It's, oh shit, there's more stuff here, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess literally how it is, and I think it's clever that they pushed the, you know, they greenlit this project in 2017 or 18. I think it was closer to like early 2018, and announced it later in 2018 because all the housing developments were like greenlit, and they were yeah. like the grounds were being leveled, and so the park was like, we need to put stuff on this side of the park now before the homes are being lived in. That's yeah. the same reason Wonder Woman's opening. Yeah. All the stuff is in the back of the park. If you're yeah. starting to notice, all the investments are back there. <laughs> Tatsu's bright new color scheme. Yeah. It's all facing that's yeah. a side where the house are going to be. So when people live there, it's like, well, the nose already there. The coast yeah. already there. We didn't just build a new coast and pollute your nose yeah. more. It was already there. Yeah, if built. anybody's wondering why there's this trend of like everything that Magic Mountain is investing in being in that like back walk area, like everything from... Uh, the Metropolis, yeah, Battle for Metropolis, Metropolis um, uh, all the enhancements for the DC comic books area, like all of that is related to its proximity to the construction so that that area is going to be Yeah, I think we'll done. finally see more stuff on the front side um, once the back is, is, is a little more packed and so that way, you know, where the houses are, there's the, it's just, it's just, it, it's smart to, yeah. do, to have everything standing before Very people strategic. live there. Um, so that is a really nice area. I mean, speaking of the area, Apocalypse, yeah. I think fits well in there. Kind of like the Works really well. Kind of like the dusty yeah. backlot kind of vibe that yeah. half of, half of LA gives off. It feels like a like one of those like pull apart junkyards. <laughs> like you go in there if you've got your like whatever your your shitbox beater car. You go in there like with all the other abandoned vehicles. And, no, it's and funny because like the rides always really worked in the setting because it's you know Valencia is in like in the high desert and the yeah. mountains, so like it's always really dry most of the year, and it all obviously that works really well for the LA theme that they chose <laughs> for the area. But now it works even better. I feel like the underground's like vibe that they're going for really lends itself to kind of like the junkyard vibe that Apocalypse gives up, mm -hmm. despite being not necessarily themed to junkyard exactly. Um, because before it was like an old you know. Harbor that was dilapidated. Yeah, you know there used to be like yeah, something. Cyclone Bay area, which you was know, a weird and then Apocalypse was such a weird vibe because like yeah. okay, like the only reason it looks similar is because one is themed to being old and abandoned, and one is literally old and abandoned. Yeah, but now it's like it it really works together. And the cool thing about the queue for Apocalypse is West Coast Racers goes over it and it goes past it, so you really get to enjoy kind of some interaction yeah. there. Um, and Apocalypse was running really well. Really, it well. really was. We hadn't read ridden it a whole lot the last couple of years because of its downtime right before we moved. Um, but honestly, I haven't been so much GCIs. It was running. It was running like I wanted GCI to run, and I think I appreciate the layout a little more than I did before. It's it's a very satisfying wooden coaster. It's like the wooden coaster experience that Magic Mountain deserves and has tried multiple times to achieve. And even um, like my first rides on Apocalypse were enjoyable, but it, I feel like it was suffering from from pacing issues. If that ride isn't maintaining its speed throughout, then the second half. Uh, can feel kind of sluggish, but this time around, I mean, we, I got my best rides I've ever had 
on Apocalypse this time around. I guess I wrote it just after the retract in 2017 when they retracted most of it by yeah. some third party and it ran uh -huh. really well. Um, but another thing I want to mention is, so no, we kind of said that Apocalypse, now we've written so many GCIs, so many wooden coasters, and it's been like two, two or three years, not probably two years since we've written it. Um, it kind of stood out like, oh, okay, this ride really does something a little bit different and, and it really works uh, as a Woody. It's not just, you know, another GCI or a smaller GCI. Um, the same I felt for Goliath. Um, we had been saying this for for a while now. We really are like Goliath and Titan defenders. Or Goliath truthers. We're Giovanella you know, Giovanella truthers. But yeah. um, now it really more than ever. I was like, you know what? This ride is just something different. It's not it's not meant to be a hypercoaster from beginning. And you know, especially when this ride came out, it was one of the very first. I mean, it was it came out before Millennium Four. So like the standards of a modern twister slash hypercoaster hadn't been set. So like, yeah, okay, the industry went didn't go in the direction Goliath went. But there's this like overarching theme of enthusiasts in California Goliath is like has no airtime and it's like not a worthy hyper but then when you ride these like B&M's honestly they all run together there's like no joy in riding the different ones because like there's marginally better or worse or marginally different and I feel like Goliath feels so different the positive G's the twistiness the massive sloped drop I really appreciated how like not a B&M it was for a second yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that today, actually, when I was reviewing our most recent Little Magic Mountain article uh, in preparation for this. On thecoastofkings.com. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, you know, airtime-based hypers are a dime a dozen, and I think for, a, for most parks, I would say that an airtime-based hyper is the right choice. Um, but oh, I'm not saying it's not the right choice. Right. I'm just saying they st if, if you travel, it yeah. starts running together, yeah. and so Goliath is such a refreshing different approach to the same idea of like heightened speed. I, yeah, it's Goli coming home to Goliath, I guess for us in the figurative sense, for other people in the literal sense, I don't know, you could travel to like the Northeast and find a lot of good hypers, um, airtime focused hyper coasters um, that set, set out to achieve the same or similar things. Um, Especially now, I mean, even, like, I, I, it's so amazing to me when you go, like, Hershey Park, not only do they have two hyper coasters, but Candemonium is very much, like, a little abridged nitro. The parks are not that far from each other. It's amazing how many hyper coasters you can find in such a small uh, area, and they all have a similar uh, sort of approach to the concept. Uh, like, Six Flags New England's Superman is, again, a great ride. There's, there's great hypers everywhere. Dorney's hyper is great. Like... Different manufacturers, different eras, different periods. Um, Skyrush, of course, is you know an acquired taste and a bit more on the the Goliath end of the spectrum when it comes to forces, but still very airtime focused. Um, Phantom's Revenge isn't that far. Uh, even Six Flags America's Superman is is in that mix too. There's definitely places you can go in the world uh, where you find a lot of hyper coasters that accomplish a lot of the same things, and the the variance between them is 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 marginal, and then you go and ride Goliath, and it makes you appreciate the ways in which Goliath is so different, everything about it. For a coaster enthusiast, you ride a few hypers around and, and start surveying, and you ride Goliath, or, and Titan for that matter, you ride something and you're like, okay, this is really unusual, especially with the untimely demise of Giovanola shot down in their prime. They had so much potential. They could have done... So many cool things, but they were... They yeah, were. riding Goliath and Titan, those are the two rides that um, 
you know, we have easy access to Giovanni wines. There's still Anaconda in South Africa, but I don't know if I'll ever write that. Um, so one of the things is that they are over 20 years old, and they run so well. It is unbelievable that these rides came out in the same year that some other rides came out, and then, like, the way they've aged. Perhaps they were over-engineered. I mean, they're very well-supported. But, oh my god, there's not a bump in the track to be found. The rolling stock is super solid. I feel like Goliath runs so much better than like some BMs that are literally like ten years younger. Um, but like every like Goliath runs better than and every B&M yeah. in the state of Ohio, and that is not a lie. And Goliath is substantially older. So that's than something that I feel like the that their ride really really deserves a shout out. Like for. I really I I really don't have patience like for rides like Diamondback at Kings Island where like the vibration is so noticeable. The shuffling, and I'm like, you know, I get that for the average patron, it's not a problem, but I just, I also feel like it just shouldn't be, there just isn't an excuse for a ride to run like that, and sometimes I think, well, maybe I'm just being nitpicky, but then I ride a ride like Goliath, and I'm like, no, like, there's no excuse for a ride to run the way that Diamondback runs when you have a ride like Goliath that runs absolutely without flaws. It's funny because um, this makes you think of Riddler, which we also are big fans yeah, of. Yeah, speaking of flawless. It runs so well. I mean, obviously stand-ups don't have a good reputation, whether we're talking Togo, whether we're talking Intamin, whether we're talking B&M. And I get that. I have written plenty of these, and generally speaking, I'm not, like, thrilled by them, you know, like, excited. Um, sometimes I'm really scared, like on the Togo ones, but um, <laughs> generally speaking, there's only, one, hand. <laughs> there's only one I really love. Like, I like Georgia Scorcher, but it's just kind of small. Like, it's kind of, to me, that's kind of um, Vortex, like Patriots, yeah. you know, bigger version. And like, like we nicer. like Lantern at Great Adventure. Like, that's one of our favorite rides at Great Adventure. But then there's... Like, I like it, but then there's, like, the Riddler's God's Revenge, which, which is, is not just good for a stand-up coaster. It is one of B&M's best coasters. And as I wrote in the show notes, Riddler's Bay for literally ever. Forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, he did write that. Um, <laughs> in which, fact, I would say that, like, when Riddler opened, it was easily the best roller coaster they had ever built at the time. B&M? That might be a... I mean, yeah, think about it, 1998. Yeah, 1998. The fact that it's I'm, older than freaking Goliath. I feel like, cool. because there's definitely B&Ms now that people would say are like the best B&M ever rides. Fury, even like stuff that came right after Riddler, like Apollo's Chariot. But I struggle to think of a B&M that I like better Riddler has such Riddler's a phenomenal layout. Such an incredible phenomenal layout. Pacing is very strong. Um, right, honestly, tracks really well. It runs well. Um, I almost have a hard time of like giving all the reasons why I love it because there really aren't that many. It's just a solid traction. I enjoy. I love riding yeah. it. The first drop is very solid. It is a large coaster. It is the tallest B and M drop in the park because yeah. Tatsu, despite its height, it's, it doesn't really have a lot of big drops because it's just on the mountain. It held the vertical loop height record for a while. Like it yeah. was literally the tallest vertical loop in the world. For the way quite the loop time. wraps around the um, lift. Though. Obviously, we ride at Kumba a lot now and. Um, it was fun riding Riddler again and being like, you know what, Riddler is like the way bigger, bossier version yeah. of Kumba with the stand-up trains. And honestly, the stand-up trains are not that much of a distractor for me at all. I, I really don't mind them, um, especially because the ride runs well. Like, I've been on stand-ups with the same trains or slightly different trains that don't track well. And yes, then the stand-up trains are absolutely miserable. Sorry for all your parts. But on Riddler, I... And I've historically had really good rides on Riddler. I never really remember a ride where like Riddler was really that bad. Maybe like once or twice where I hit my head on the restraint and some inversion. But other than that, it's always been a really solid stand-up. It's a really solid looper in general. And uh, as I grow more towards the 90 loopers, the more I feel like Riddler is like king. And I just... This ride is just like big dick energy for me. Like, 
you come off that, it is massive. It's almost hypercoaster proportions. It sounds intimidating. Sometimes the you're in presence, a parking lot and you think yeah. it's Superman, but it's actually it's Riddler really running because it's so loud. This thing is is tremendous, beautifully landscaped, fabulous positioning within the park. Um, at its, at, in its day, when it was new, it did a great job of accommodating um, existing rides around it. Like, like Tidal I, like Wave. I really miss Tidal Wave and Freefall. <laughs> it's sad because now Tidal Wave is gone and you're like, wow. Yeah. I guess the support structure for Riddler, the whole ride obviously yeah. was, was built around an overdose too. And now with Tidal Wave gone, it feels like Riddler is kind of missing like yeah. the last bit of its original when, identity. I, my heart was broken when, even though it was inevitable that Freefall was going to be demolished um, in my mind. Freefall, with, with the paint job that it got to like accommodate the Riddler theme, I mean, that ride looked better and looked more relevant than it ever had in its entire existence when Riddler's Revenge opened. The Freefall was 15 years old and was out here. Honestly, like, when, when, when we talk about Riddler like that, you know, how it, uh, how it impressed the surrounding area. I mean, the same with the, the way that the monorail used to run through Riddler's plot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it used it's to one, go right next to Riddler. It's I mean, funny because right now I'm thinking of like, well, West Coast Racer, not to draw a weird parallel there, but West Coast Racer kind of has the same presence on the area. Yeah. The area used to be something, and there's pre-existing things that have been there that are there. Jetstream, the go-karts, some of the restaurants, Apocalypse, even the maze, the Aftermath candy kitchen. 2, the candy kitchen, all of it. 1977. But yeah, they're all brought together and they're yeah. like in a way more positive light than a West Coast race because it kind of swirls around them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's yeah. funny how that works. Yeah, I just, yeah. For, I for mean, me, speaking of like classics um, in the parks, they, they turned Superman Escape from Krypton one side back forward, and so you would launch forward and drop backwards. I would suppose it's only running on weekdays. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm fun shit, we show up on a weekday and it's not even open. I'm reading your, your notes. <laughs> oh my god. When did you write these? What kind I'm, of. I literally submitted these to you like heads, months ago. Look, ago. I'm sorry. I just. I, the headspace that you were in, uh, X2 is still that bitch. Yeah, it's written on <laughs> I, I love it. I love you, Dave. Well, we have to have show notes, so our, yeah. our, our shows are a little loving. more guided. That's I'm the goal of this, this season. <laughs> I just, I like your, I like your voice here in these, <laughs> in the notes here. Um, but yeah, before we move on to X two being that bitch, um, yeah, I would, I look forward to writing Superman. Yeah, if you, if, if you wrote our, if you read our article, I wrote in there. Oh yeah, we'll write it forwards in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But then we decided to go to Paris. Yeah, we so we Paris actually didn't go back so, to, to uh, yeah, so, maybe January. Yeah, maybe January. That we'll would be see, a fun we'll way to kick works. off the calendar here. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I look still, forward still to writing, bitch. I think Escape from Krypton, I think Superman Backwards is still the better experience, because the first time I wrote it backward, I was like, wait a minute, this is really cool, like, this is how it always should have been. But, um, writing it forward again for, like, the nostalgia factor for me... I always like to um, drop it backwards. Really yeah, the drop backwards I always like cool. falling out of the sky almost like a I giant love, Like, seeing the ride, you know, coming up to it, taking off and, and watching also the, the, ride, the tower get closer and closer. The one thing I have heard from a lot of people is that the ride feels much faster when you take off forward. Yeah. If you take off backwards, there's no wind in your face. Yeah. You notice that when you slow down at the end, like, when you come back down the tower, there's, like, you know, your face is flapping. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. static coasters and stuff. But, yeah. um... It'll, it'll be fun again to ride it forwards and having that like sense of speed again because yeah, it's a six second launch. I think like, it's, it's not smart. fast. It's, it's like not fast acceleration. Ten years. The ride had been open for a little over ten years when they did the escape from well, almost. The ride had been open for almost fifteen years, I guess, when they did escape from Krypton, and now it's been another ten years, and they've turned one side around to give you both options, and I just think that's really smart. I feel like this ride is remaining relevant in unexpected ways, and Magic Mountain keeps getting mileage out of it. It's, it's funny to think how, like, Superman, on one, you have, on one hand you have Superman, which is, like, finding unlikely ways to remain 
on everybody's minds. It's it's still being talked about. Uh, it's 25 years old now. And then you have, like, Top Thrill Dragster on the other end, which, like, people are... We're not even being told, like, what to expect next year from Top Thrill Dragster based on, like, the recent circumstances with that ride's operation. It's just funny to think how, like, Dragster, which was, like, the better, improved, newer version that for a long time people talked about Superman being, like, the inferior prototype stepping stone to a ride like Top Thrill Dragster. And now look at the, looking at them right now in this particular notch on the timeline, it's just kind of ironic to me. Um, Superman, you have, like, a, a consistent, likable ride that is still... Uh, drawing attention to itself on social media and stuff, and then you have Dragster, which is like, you know, sent someone to the hospital. It's just unfortunate, but it's just like, it's also just odd. It's just funny. I, would, I never would have guessed that, like, these two rides would be where they are in, in 2021, going into 2022, where one of them is, like, really flourishing, and time and time again proving that it's uh, an excellent member of Magic Mountain's superb ride arsenal, and then you have Top Throw Dragster, which is so problematic and has been so problematic for its entire existence that the lingering rumor that... I mean, Superman's be... had its fair share of Oh, sure, sure. But, but I just... I, I, people... I don't think there's any truth to the rumor that Dragster is going to be retired. I don't think that's happening, but people keep talking about it. it the, the lingering rumor that the ride's going to be retired is unrelenting because the problems are you know, so knows. Maybe they'll bring rentable. it into Maine and they'll install like a new age LAM system like they have on Red Force. Yeah. Um, and before you know it, Top Flow Dragster will just be a, like an a good electrically launched coaster. If they can, coaster. I, my th I heard that, again, this is all hearsay, but I've heard people say that like Intamin has been consulted more than once with like how to approach the future of Dragster and making it safer and more reliable. And they just have been told pretty flatly that it's not possible with the technology they have right now for Dragster to complete its layout with a launch system that does not utilize the flywheel. How true that is, I'm not sure. I mean, we'll see. But it kind of makes sense with, when you consider Red Force. Isn't Red Force, like, isn't the launch for Red Force, like, doesn't it take up, doesn't that ride have, like, a footprint that's roughly the same size as Dragster, but it's, like, a full hundred feet shorter? I don't exactly know. We'll, we'll look into it. Anyways, I guess. It's also already, like, five yeah. years older, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, even Mac, you know, who historically has never had a good launch, now fires shit off. Coaster. Like, Hurricane and Oh, my God. So, Can't wait. Anyway, different story. Um, X2. That bitch. Still running great. Still yeah. very intimidating. Still very intense. Still a headbanger. Unfortunately, the audio wasn't working, but the fire, fire was, was working. Uh, which I will that take. Awesome. I will take both flamethrowers over. Still working, audio. like thirteen years after the relaunch. Especially if you're going to photograph it, if you're going to park on the side of the road like we did right before our flight. And yes, ghostgames.com/slash/magic-mountain-fall-2021. <laughs> Boom! A bunch of pictures of that. It's that web URL for me. I know. Nobody's going to look it up. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, right next door, Viper. Viper is Bay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Viper was struck by an incident in 2018 that, for the last three months of us living there, the girl was down. Yeah. Very unfortunate because that was like that was our go-to. We would ride it weekly, time after time after time. And then, and then in 2020, the unfortunate event happened where so we rode a couple times in 2019, luckily. Yeah. But then an unfortunate event happened in early 2020 that we went and then we were doing, out there to visit. And so it was running all day. We're like, okay, great. We'll, we'll hop on in a minute. You know, we have some stuff that has longer lines to get on first. And like midway through the day, it closed down for some like social media filming, like filming thing filming they were doing. Close to the public. And with we're some like, like celebrities. Bastards. And then so it was running, but only with celebrities and cameras. And that really sucked to be doing it on. 
And then we flew home. We're like, for a second, we're going to extend our trip by day. Just get yeah. on Viper. And then we're like, no, we'll just come back next month. And then a pandemic <laughs> happened. And then we didn't come back till this year. Friendly reminder that Viper is still Hollywood's favorite coaster. I wrote a little article about that. Yeah, it's search like literally... Viper is Hollywood's favorite coasters on Google and you'll find yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, from, from the time that that ride has opened until to this day, until, you know, these to, to this day, that, that ride, the camera mount, has made that ride a celebrity. Everyone has seen Viper in some piece of media, whether it's Encino Man, or the episode of Senior Ditch Day for Glee, or, you know, uh, that episode of Lucifer, where the ride was like, most of those movies and TV shows, it's like given a theme or like a different like aesthetic or like, you know, it's unrelated to Magic Mountain, but I love that in the episode of Lucifer, where they go ride it, they're canonically at Magic Mountain, right? Following Viper. the ride's layout and everything. Fall, yeah. yeah, like that's really fun to me. Like that was a great moment for Magic Mountain to like remind people like that this coaster is still We also it. love that Magic Mountain still loves Viper that much. First of all, they installed an incredibly expensive panel system in yeah. 2018. So like that ride got quite the investments. Remember but when also, Yellow Train got that huge refurb in 2017 and when oh, they yeah, brought and it back three online, It was like news. And um, they still have all four trains for it. Um, and the ride is... Just love, like it's on all this yeah. merchandise. It's 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 a good coaster that has a bunch of its own personal merch. It has giant frames for it. So. It may not have a very long line, but you know, it's really the ride is super reliable, and it has great capacity. And, cost isn't that crazy. and it's not a ride that like is going to collect a long queue because it just eats people. Well, yeah, because it's a if, fabulous even when capacity. it runs one train, it'll dispatch twice when yeah. X two runs one train, yeah. which is really aggravating because they have the same yeah. capacity, but X two will take so much longer to get on. Um, Few coasters in Magic Mountain can process that number of people, whether it's because, like, even our favorites, like Riddler, you know, it takes a minute to dispatch because of the fussiness the of the flying coaster. Scream has really good capacity if they run yeah. multiple trains, so it's not a reason Scream, Scream is, is another ride that, like, never has a line because it can really process people, but Viper is, like, no fuss, you get on, no, no issues with, like, the vehicle's peripherals or, like, the station having to drop the floor or whatever, like that ride is just easy peasy, runs like a workhorse, like serious. She's easy breezy, beautiful, cover girl. Easy breezy, beautiful viper, forever. Um, speaking of beautiful, what do you think of Tatsu's new paint scheme? Uh, well... You think it's beautiful? I love it, but I would also is like... Is she born with it? I no, she's not actually. Yeah. Maybe it's The pictures paint. that I'm seeing of like the wave turn and stuff with the completed color scheme, I'm actually really digging it. Yes. Because it's so unexpected. Too. Really unexpected, really different. I'm well, thinking, people always wanted that green because they never got the green dragon train that yeah. was like promised in the promos. Yeah. However, we have known for like years now what coasters through the clouds at Nanchang Sunak Land looks like in China, yeah. and it's massive superstructure of green supports and it's like snaking orange track going through that. It has always been like a vibe. No, I wasn't sure if really Magic unexpected. was a place for that vibe. But now I'm seeing it come together. I'm on board. And I think Tatsu looks Choo -choo. even better because the beefiness of the B&M track really lends itself to yeah, the Yeah, it feels more balanced. Yeah. For a second, I was afraid of because if you look at Tatsu from a distance, it supports, I mean, it's an ocean support. This thing just floats over the park. Um, and it's all heavy, thick supports. But the track itself is pretty thick too. So now seeing it kind of come together, especially in the moments where it's closer to the ground. So like the horseshoe, there's not as many supports because the track's on the outside and it's closer to the ground. There's a really nice balance. The green is not overpowering. Will the green still be overpowering at the end? Yes, it will, but I'm not mad about it. Does that make sense? Also, it reminds us of the Dolan Dragon paint job, the dueling sit-down uh, inverted Intamin Blitz coaster at uh, Guangzhou Sunak, which you walk up to that thing, 
it doesn't photograph as well as it looks because you look at it and you think like, oh my god, it's like Christmas colors and there's like multiple shades of green and red. But you don't really realize that until you're kind of close, like though. entering orange territory. But then you look at it and you're like, you know what? Aside from the pre-existing uh, social implications of what red and green should mean, it looks it looks dope. It looks awesome. And so Tatsu is giving me like fabulous neo-Chinese roller coaster boom vibes. It's like, it's giving me, you know, massive B&M realness a la the flying coasters and wing coasters and dive coasters of China. And then the colors are just fabulous, unexpected, bold, runway ready color schemes. So, you know, another good, I mean, Magic Bound used to have a lot of rides in the similar color scheme vibes. And now it's really diversifying to the point where every ride really has its own scheme. Mm -hmm. I like that. It's the sequel of the Riddler's Revenge repaint where like we once we also, it was yellow support we talked about this earlier and we were like oh is that gonna work and then it, it works little fun fact is that every coaster currently operating in Magic Bound except for Ninja and Viper um and Gold Rusher no Gold Rusher's been repainted oh has it? babe it opened red well, oh yeah that's right that's, I thought you meant like recently but oh yeah that's true that's true so besides Viper and Ninja and um, perhaps like two or three kitty coasters because one is brand new yeah um have never been uh, so besides those those rides, everything has been repainted in different color at some point. X two went through a major color change. Tetris has gone through a major color change. Everything that's like older. -ish. Riddler, yeah. Scream, Goliath, Twisted Colossus. Because um, like know, obviously, well, yeah, like obviously stuff that's like five years old and, and West Coast Racers. But I'm talking about like you know rides that have been around for over. But even right, right, Scream and Tatsu and and like stuff that have been op that opened in like the 2000s. Everything that Magic Mountain has built in the 2000s. Has so it's kind of fun seeing how like the colors have all kind of changed. Yeah. The whole Magic the Mountain. There's a lot more of a colorful vibe now, and it used the to be a lot darker. The evolution of the park's aesthetic is like bright, eye-catching, like po color potpourri. Speaking of evolution, what do you think of Tatsu now we've written Fly, the evolution of the flying coaster? Is Tatsu still that big bad boss? Right underneath flying dinosaur? Or is it now just kind of push back a little bit? Okay, how how we feel so about this? My opinion of Tatsu used to be that I could ride it like once and it would be so intense and then I was done. Like I could not the pretzel is very handle intense. the intensity of it. But I feel then, like the pretzel is the only really intense part though. The rest right. of the ride, and Nick Chandler who um, you know does some stuff in Florida for us, he mentioned that too. And first I was like, really though? Because I feel like Tatsu is just like super intense flyer. But then now now I understand because now I've ridden Fly, which is really intense. We rode Fly. And I'm like, yeah, the pretzel is the only part where you really Two rides dying. on Fly was enough for me. I found it very intense. And it's not because there's any one moment on Fly that's really intense. The entire ride has a sustained level of positive G-force intensity, and the ride is lengthy. It's a long ride. Tatsu, it, it, and really even, because didn't Nick say that he thought that Manta was more intense than Tatsu? Yeah. I mean, like, that well, more, no, not, not overall intensity, but just like more yeah. intense moments. It's where Tatsu has like one really intense Flying moment. dinosaurs like that, too. There's not one moment on Flying Dinosaur that's as intense as the pretzel on Tatsu, but Flying Dinosaur is so swift. That's more it has intense a lot moments. of forcefulness yeah. throughout the ride. Fly is the same way. Riding Fly and then going back and riding Tatsu, Tatsu felt like a walk in the park. It felt pleasant, easy to tolerate, and because I, I guess I was so mentally prepared so, okay, so for the pretzel loop. Well, where would you say Tatsu now ranks amongst the flyers? Um, like if, like in, you know, I think Fly is the premium flying coaster product. And then Flying Dinosaur Would I take Tatsu? Flying Dinosaur over Tatsu? Really hard for me to say. It is hard because Flying Dinosaur at the end of the day is a very... 
industrial vibe. It's um, it's it's pretty much like a concrete coaster. It runs over concrete. It's like one. In, there's like two interactions with the water. One at the Jurassic River. It's really Adventure. still a cool setting since USJ is. But like it's like on full an of nets in a bar. And, yeah, uh, but you, you're a, flying a, those. You don't really see that yeah. now. You're mostly facing down, and you just right over to midway, which is partially cool. But I think Tatsu's flying over the mountains and being so elevated. You really are just like looking at the mountainous landscape, and you're yeah. really like in your own little airspace. That's where like flying dinosaur is very much just kind of like making its way downtown through, <laughs> through Jurassic Park. Yeah, so I, I would see have that to say point, that even though it does more now that and, and now that Tatsu's repainted, not to sound superficial, but like my biggest complaint about Tatsu was how ugly it had gotten with the fading and with the new color scheme. That's such an expensive repaint. Suddenly, I'm like, wait a minute, like Tatsu is like I honestly don't know. Maybe looking so cool. I can't decide. Has a great first drop. It used to be. Either way, there's a new It used to be obvious for me. Well, the one thing that uh, there's a couple of things that Flying Dinosaur does better. Flying Dinosaur has an underground tunnel in its pretzel that you the, the midway into Jurassic Park. There's some moments, and I still like the overall pacing of Flying Dinosaur more, and I feel like it does more. But I also enjoy the varied pacing of Tatsu and how the first half of like everything before the pretzel feels pretty gentle. Um, you, you do the two like corkscrew bits. You've, the first drop is fabulous. I love the egg turn. Then you that high speed like low turn right before the pretzel is really strong. And then of course the pretzel is just like a, like a climax in in every meaning of the word. And then you get that little zero G roll as you exit out. And then the the seven twenty or the two seventy helix um, that echoes the fan turn on revolution into the brakes. It's still a really satisfying ride. Whereas Flying Dinosaur, I wouldn't say, ends on a high note the way that uh, Tatsu does. does. I would yeah. say they're they're so even. I would like it. You'd have to ask me. Neck and neck. Depending on on how I'm feeling, how I feel on that day, that's how close they are. That's how strong they are. You know what I feel like? I feel like our listeners should be checking out thecoastofkings.com uh-huh. for our newest articles. Yeah. We've got some Disney Paris stuff going on. Yeah. Um, we've got a bunch of new stuff in the works. We've got Crystal Crowns coming back in article form and also in podcast oh God, form so later excited. this year. Podcast episode one uh-huh. of the season is already live. Check yeah. that out on your favorite channels. Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. Sorry, Apple Podcasts, you say. <laughs> Google Podcasts. Uh, find us on Discord, join the conversation. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Yeah. Join us, have a conversation. We're doing interactive pieces that, um, you know, there'll be some episodes that'll be driven just by you guys and your responses. Mm-hmm. So uh, stay tuned for more. That's right. And uh, we're going to go to Disney. Yeah. Bye. Bye.